Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. Masculine tops, power bottoms, butch girls, femme boys, bears, otters, unicorns. There's no shortage of labels that queer people use to describe different sexual identities and preferences. But how do we navigate that horny, thorny path between realizing we're queer and deciding which boxes to check when filling out our dating profiles? Fruit Bowl features first-person stories that explore the unique ways we develop our sexual identities by sharing the sometimes messy, always fascinating, real-life sex histories of queer people. Our first introduction to sex, the embarrassing moments we'd like to forget, and the reliable bedroom moves that we've discovered along the way. Basically, all the stuff we wish we'd known when we first came out. Interviews are edited for clarity and brevity because we all know how much we love to talk about ourselves. Thanks for listening. Let's begin. Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. I'm your host and the creator of Fruit Bowl, Dave. And with me today is Gabe. Hello, Gabe. Hello. Welcome to my walk-in closet slash sound studio. It's so spacious. <laughs> we are going to listen to Scott's interview in a little bit. But first, I want to introduce a new introductory section of the podcast where um, I ask questions of my guests and of my listeners as well. I'm calling it the lunchtime poll in an homage to my favorite high school movie, Heathers. Are you red, yellow, or green? Mm. I would say, what color is Veronica? <laughs> I'm definitely Veronica of the group. Um, what, what would you be? Yellow. Yeah? Yeah. Do you like to play croquet? Oh, 100%. <laughs> like trying to hit things into tiny holes. <laughs> <laughs> it is a pretty sexual game. Um, yeah, they play the, they play croquet in the opening scene of Heathers. So you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so the Heathers go around during lunchtime in the movie, and they ask uh, people questions for the day. So I've taken that same format, and in an effort to not only get to know my co-host a little bit better, but also as a way to involve my listeners in some conversation online. And the idea here is uh, if you want to reach out to us and tell us your answer to the lunchtime poll, then I will be gathering those uh, responses and putting them on our new Patreon site. And those posts will be publicly viewable. Um, And, you know, it's just a fun way to sort of start a conversation. It's also a way for me to start using Twitter in a more communicative way. Like right now, I I don't really know how to tweet for this show. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know how to tweet, period. So I'm trying to learn sort of different strategies for getting out there and involving our listeners. Um, so I've decided to call our, our listeners bowlers. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, like a beehive beehive yeah. or the Swifties. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, that's a thing that I'm starting. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it catches it'll start on. to trend. It will. <laughs> yes. It'll be, we'll be trending on Twitter in no time. Yeah. So what question will we ask today? I have a few ideas and, well, first of all, let me ask Gabe, do you have any ideas, questions that you would want to know other people, other people's responses? Maybe like I'm trying to make the questions sort of inclusive of all different types of queer people. So maybe not something that is specific to gay men. 
I need to think about that, and maybe if we could revisit it. Well, I have some in my back pocket. Okay. So it's no big deal. Okay. So let's say the question for today is, what is in your bedside goodie drawer? (laughs) (laughs) Or, Or name at least three items in your bedside goodie drawer. Okay, so... I don't actually store any of my toys in my drawer. Okay. I have a, like a, a mantle behind my bed and my lube and all my con like not my condoms. I don't use condoms, but <laughs> my dildos are like inside of the shelves. Oh, wow. On the side. Um, are they hidden to people who would just come into your room so that they wouldn't see them? I guess. Yeah. I mean, you if you just peeked around the corner, you'd see all of them right there. <laughs> are, are they displayed on, like, velvet? And- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're on, like, pillows of velvet and plush. And, um, well, yeah. what, are, what are some of your toys, if you um, don't mind me asking? So I have just, like, a basic, like, five-inch dildo. It's pretty thick. It gets me to, like open up to like before I have like tons of sex and I'm like getting prepared for the day or, um, but I don't really use toys. And I also have like a really ginormous one. That's like 10 inches and it's wow. probably 10 inches around. It's huge. That and it's ambitious. Um, my, well, I was into fisting for a bit and kind of like taken like a seat from, if you will, <laughs> from visiting. <laughs> taking a breather. I'm taking a breather. Um, <laughs> and so my friends got me that for my birthday last year. I'm like, oh, you love visiting. You love this. I was like, but I don't like toys. Yeah. I like touching. And yeah. I, 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 I don't want this cold piece of rubber inside of me. I want like a piece of meat. Right. Yeah. Like that. that's the whole point of fisting is that it's a I person. Want, yeah, yeah. I want to feel your warm hand you know caress my insides (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) um but if you looked into my actual bedside drawer you'd see a bunch of bottle caps of an unfinished art project that i have going on oh wow yeah i had i was i was super ambitious and i was like i'm gonna put a bunch of bottle caps on top of my nightstand and then i'm gonna fill it with acrylic and it's gonna be like a cute little you know bedside table oh and i never finished it so they're all just it's probably been that way for about seven years oh wow I'm like, I'm going to get to it one day. <laughs> I love that you have an art project for your goodie drawer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but besides toys, um, do you you have lube, I'm assuming? Uh, that stays on top of my mantle. Oh, uh, okay. I don't, even, I don't even hide that. What's yeah. the point? I'm constantly reaching for it. Right. <laughs> and what, what is your brand of choice? Um, this is Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, silicone. It's inexpensive at Bartels. I don't know how sex shops get away from selling it for $22 a bottle. Right. It's unreal when I can get it at Bartels for $12.99. Yeah. So you don't go to Doghouse to get your lube? No. Yeah. I'm all about supporting local business, but if not if it's going to like bankrupt me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I'll admit that I do go to Doghouse for my, my lubricant needs. And I, I like supporting them just because I like supporting local uh, businesses, especially Doghouse, because they're good supporters of the kink community here um i guess if i had to answer the question i would say definitely lube is in the mix i use id that's a kind of our 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 lube of choice uh classic they have a lot of different kinds yeah id you've never heard of id Uh -uh. yeah it's just one of those is it no, that's pure. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, Sometimes gun oil. I like that, too. Gun oil's good. Although I do the, like gun the oil. silicone 
stuff gets all over the sheets and it's kind of a mess. Yeah. It's hard to get out. So I don't try to do that too often, but, uh, do you prefer water-based? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then is that, is that just overall like preference or is that then you can wash it off your hands easier. Okay. I feel like the silicone also just sticks around. Absolutely. It's for too long. Oh my God. My roommate, um, is constantly commenting on the fact that there's silicone lube on all the door handles. <laughs> okay, it also sounds like I'm a dirty person. I'm actually very OCD and clean about my apartment, but there's certain little things about myself that I'm not. Like, I'm just like, I just jacked off. All right. Like, I gotta open a door. <laughs> <laughs> so you use lube when you jack off? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I used to be always dry, and then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm not at home anymore, so I can, you know, like... I can have lube and, you know, get lube on door handles on accident. I'm not going to have my mom accidentally <laughs> touch a door and be like, why is this all slimy? Well, I can't open this door. <laughs> my hand's just slipping off the knob. Um, uh, yeah, so, and then I'll also get the poppers, as usually. Yeah. That's poppers. something that I'll have in my goodie drawer. What is your, do you use poppers? I do. What's your brand of choice? I think it's just called... I've always called it the white label mm-hmm. because it doesn't have a name, but it, all it has is it's a white label and then it has the warning on it. Okay. Um, it doesn't have anything specifically tied to it. So, okay. And that's what they call it a doghouse. All right. So, yeah, we change, uh, brands every time. We still haven't found a brand that we like. <laughs> I will send you a picture. It's, it is after many different tries and I like to experiment too, but with poppers, they can go bad so quickly. I know. And sometimes like if, I mean, you could spend like what, 30 bucks on a bottle that just doesn't do it. One doesn't do it for you or two can give you a bad headache or Mm -hmm. take you out of the moment. So it's like, once you find yours and I have noticed that a lot of people have started using these Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, they're definitely my favorite. So, so tweet us your answers to the question. What do you keep in your goodie drawer? next to your bed um and let us know the answers and i'll post those on patreon next up we're going to listen to scott's interview you actually know scott i do um so this will be fun um you have not heard his his interview yet so we're going to listen to that and then we'll come back and comment on it so here we go I'm Scott. I grew up in Bonnie Lake, Washington, and I'm 47. My parents still live there. It's so small that I went, I had to go to the neighboring town to go to high school, so I went to Sumner High School. There were 300 people in my graduating class. I think I first learned about masturbation. I had a male babysitter that I caught jacking off one time. I was like, what is that? What are you doing? <laughs> so he told me about that. Um, I remember my dad having the bird and bees talk. And really, I think I was aware of sex, but not didn't really know what it, what it was. And so that was, he did that pretty young, too. I started puberty early, so he, he had the talk pretty early. He wasn't uncomfortable with it in the way that you see it portrayed. Like, people get all nervous and stuff. He was just pretty chill about it. And then I think my friend's... We all start comparing notes and telling stories and making up shit that we don't know. And <laughs> we'd play like truth or dare at slumber parties and stuff. And 
It was the first time I ever saw a boy naked. Sharing stories and also just, I, that's when I, I first remember like my own curiosity about sex happening was at these slumber parties with boys and we'd watch older brothers porn and horror movies all night long and <laughs> a bunch of horny young boys. Little did they know what I was horny for. Like I said, we'd watch horror movies all night and then after the parents went to bed, we'd put in my friend's older brother's porn and we're all sitting in our sleeping bags and I'm sure everyone was jacking off, but I know I certainly was. Uh, <laughs> and I, but I remember being very surreptitious about it because I, I didn't know that everyone else was doing it if they were or not. And so that, I think that was when I first really started being aware of that and myself. Uh, well, it was certainly straight porn. Um, I think it was a plumber, like one of those classic, I'm here to lay pipe type things <laughs> with the housewife. Um, I just remember being transfixed by, the, transfixed by the guy's cock the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go into B. Dalton booksellers at the mall, and I would sneak back to the magazine section where they had Playgirl. And I remember I would pull out the centerfolds and stuff them in my pocket and steal the centerfolds out of the Playgirls and <laughs> take those home and jack off to them. <laughs> yeah, the centerfold usually was like sort of like the position I'm in right now, kind of sprawled out. Um, they weren't always hard in the images. And I don't know if that was Playgirl because it was for women or... Um, I mean, I've never seen a gay centerfold with a soft cock, but <laughs> a lot of them were. I think the very first time was probably with a girl. Yeah. Um, I had a girlfriend in high school and we were watching movies in her basement and making out and, um, I've always been a tit man, I love boobs. She had great boobs. So <laughs> I asked if I could feel her boobs and started feeling her up and eventually got her shirt off, got her bra off and um, she ended up giving me head. So that was, I think my very first experience. And I was a jerk, I didn't get her off. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have known how, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, my very first time with a guy was at, in college, and I was at a dance, and this guy hit on me and took me back to his place, and we just jacked off together. We didn't really do much, but that was the first time I was with a guy. But yeah, I don't really consider that my first time. I had had boyfriends. I was with a woman for a while, um, and so I had had I had had oral sex and the hand jobs and all that, but I don't know why I never had anal sex, but it just, in college, the guys, it never even seemed to come up. We would go home and suck dick, and I, I remember one time asking a guy in college if we could fuck, and he was not interested, and mm. anal freaked him out somehow, mm. so, <laughs> mm. yeah, so it was, it took me a while. I graduated in 89, so AIDS was, you know, a huge issue, and mm -hmm. I th think people were still scared, and not quite sure how to navigate what was true and what wasn't. And Well, I think I'll tell you about my f the first time I had anal sex, because I sort of consider that my first time. <laughs> um, I had been in a long-term relationship and was single and moved to the hill and was just sort of exploring coming out and being gay and didn't know anybody. So I had gone 
I had volunteered with Gay City to do some event for them. I don't even remember what, it, what, what we were doing as volunteers, but I went to this event and this cute guy is there and he's chatting me up the whole time we're volunteering. So he asked me to go to CC's, the old CC's, um, cause I'm that old. Uh, <laughs> um, and so we're at CC's and having a few drinks and he continues to chat me up and it becomes pretty clear that we're going to go home and have sex and kind of running through my head. I've never done this before. How's this going to go? What's going to happen? Where are we going to go? And this kid, like, light years ahead of me, he was <laughs> all over it. In fact, so much so that there was this other guy, that this older guy that we both sort of kept looking at all night long. And he turned to me at one point. And he was like, do you like that guy? And I said, yeah. And he said, so do I. Let's take him home with us. And I was like, what? Uh, Okay. <laughs> so he just went over to this guy and asked if he wanted to come home with us, said we were going to go home and fuck. Did he want to come home with us? And he said, sure. So we ended up going back to my apartment. I had been on the hill for a week. I had no furniture at all <laughs> in my place. Um, and so these two guys came in and we started making out and I started sucking their dicks and well, one and then the, the, the other pulled it out. And so taking turns between the two and then they start sucking my dick and eventually one of them was like well are we gonna fuck or what and I was like okay I guess this is the moment this <laughs> it's really gonna happen um and we're like just sprawled out on the floor because I have no bed or couch or furniture at all and so the the guy that I had met at C at, at CC's that I'd volunteered with fucked me first and I was like this is this is really great. This is everything that I have waited for. Uh, <laughs> and then the other guy comes around and puts his cock in my mouth. So the first time I get fucked, I'm getting spit roasted. And then they switch places and the other guy does fucks me and I suck the other guy and we all come and have a fabulous time. And they leave and I was like, wow, is this what gay sex is like all the time? This is amazing. Well, the next six months were not as fabulous as that. <laughs> I don't think I had another three-way for probably five years after that or something, but it was a pretty spectacular first time. I was in college and I went to Evergreen in Olympia. Hippies in the woods. Mm -hmm. <laughs> was really good friends with this couple, a guy and a girl. And I was really into the girl, getting good boobs. Um, <laughs> and, but they were dating and as far as I knew, monogamous. And we'd gone on trips together and stuff, so we were pretty close. And there was this one night that she and I were hanging out together and watching movies and we just kind of started making out and she was like, Let's go back to your place. And I said, okay. So we go back to my place and it's that probably stereotypical gay story where I'm all, I think I'm all into it and I'm all hot and heavy, but I can't get my dick hard to save my life. And it's just that I'm going more into my head and more into my head and forgetting that she's there and it's just getting worse. And, <laughs> and then she's like, this is not happening. I'm going. I can't believe I cheated on my boyfriend for this. That was horrible. Then she goes back to her place and tells 
her boyfriend, who's my very good friend, and he's knocking on my door. And I, 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 I have to tell him, don't worry, nothing happened. I couldn't get it up. <laughs> Horrible. We were not friends after that. I still was sort of figuring out what I liked in guys at the time. I didn't really, I don't, still don't have a type, but I hadn't really figured out what turned me on in men. I have a fairly large dick that's long and curves upward. So if I can get a guy on his back with his legs up, I can get very deep in him and can usually get into the sigmoid colon. And it's definitely my go-to because every time I do it, one, the guy goes crazy because he's usually not been penetrated that far. And I love it because that little second opening, it's like it's sucking the head of my dick while I fuck him. It feels so good. <laughs> it's the best orgasm always. Well, I can get deeper that way if, if they're on their back. So, and I love to kiss. So if we're making out while, while that's happening, it's definite huge orgasm. <laughs> I'll usually put his um, legs on my shoulders, kind of roll him back a little bit. And then I can still get down and kiss him and bury myself deeply in him. <laughs> I spent a long time being a bottom and never really, there was always sort of a fear factor for me about topping. It was always, there was this pressure about it and I felt like it was the more masculine role and that it wasn't how I saw myself. And I had, this is a weird story, I was on vacation in Palm Springs. I slipped and fell in a sauna and hit my head. And I got, when I woke up, I, uh, the steam, I had, had burned my leg. Third degree burns, horrible burns. So I ended up having a skin graft surgery, which you can see right there. And when I came out of that skin graft surgery, all I wanted to do was fuck ass. I have been a top ever since then. I don't know if it was the anesthesia. I don't know what drugs they gave me. I don't know what it was, but I have been a top ever since. I still bought them. I, I call myself Powerverse. Um, but um, so I, I, I wish that I would have given myself permission to top much sooner because I feel like it's, it's definitely more enjoyable for me. Not, 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 that's not true, but um, it's the role I enjoy playing most, I think. In fact, most of my friends used to be tops and now they're all bottoms. And, and Lance was the same way, my husband, and he was just tickled pink when I finally wanted to fuck him with my big dick. Yeah, he was like, I've waited years for this. Uh, and so now he's mainly a bottom. <laughs> just learning to relax and then have fun with sex. Um, you never hear about it as a kid, so... I think that was part of why I didn't explore anal for a long time, because I didn't even really know about the, the mechanics, right? How did it work? All, all I could imagine was it hurt like hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then, yeah, there was a guy that I dated for a little while. He was a good lover, I will say. Like, he just, he sort of taught me to slow down and take my time and just relax into it and um, just really make it more sensual than I had had sex before. It's so event-driven, right? <laughs> and it's... it carries with it some import that it doesn't always need or, or drama that it doesn't always need or um so I, yeah i learning to just have fun with it and know that it's a great hobby and pastime and should be fun and you should both just be having a great time and if you're not you're doing it wrong <laughs> and we're back
Um, what'd you think? <laughs> Scott is such a cool, dynamic person, and this was very... Um, on uh, brand. On brand, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love I love that term. What's an anecdote that stood out for you that is a good example of, of Scott's personality? Um, his first time. He sounds like he had an amazing experience. It was eye-opening, and it was... Um, I also think that when people talk about their first time being able to anal as a gay man, do you categorize that as being anal top or being an anal bottom? Right. And, you know, like, there's a weird little stigma that comes with that. Yes. Um, and Stigma for which role? Um, for being a top. Oh, really? For your first time? Yeah. Because you're yeah. like, does that really count as, I like, see. sex? Mm -hmm. You know, like, you're not being penetrated, so how do you know what that's actually like? Right. And also, so, I feel like a lot of gay men probably wouldn't take the top role for starters because they feel an insecurity about their performance and whether or not they're going to do it right. That I think is a misconception too, because honestly, I think it's the bottom who does all the work. Yeah. Like they're the ones who really need to know what they're doing and to be able to guide the top is an important communication tool that we, skill set. we often don't have that skill set going into it. So yeah, but but I agree though there is a stigma and and an expectation that the first time you try anal is is you're likely going to be the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I think of Scott as someone who really advocates for himself and is well. He's an amazing host. Oh yeah, <laughs> he throws great parties. So I bet that you know when he was hosting these two, I'm sure which he... is like he was like <laughs> eating himself up inside. Like I don't even have a bed. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds kind of hot though. Like and just fucking on the floor. Yeah. You know, in, in an empty apartment. Like on a, a bench on a window or something. Like, <laughs> yes. Or just like throwing out a, a, a towel or something. Or something yeah. <laughs> just doing Im improvisation. Yeah. I think that that helps sometimes in taking away some anxiety about performance when you are in a different kind of venue. You have to improvise more. Mm -hmm. There's not as much of a sense of pre-established procedure you know yeah your your sense of comfort is already non-existent right so you're making it up as you go along absolutely and Everybody so are they is. yeah exactly mm -hmm. and i think that's um also a testament to like how great his first time is is because especially with three ways you can it's so easy for something to go wrong and yeah my experience with three ways is that um i always either like one person more or don't like the other person more um it just turns into like for me total performance anxiety and i never really had performance anxiety until i started doing three ways i i think a lot of it has to do with um you know overall like state of mind yes i was um, just gonna say i think sometimes we forget that sex is not only mechanical and physical but it's also mental yeah and takes some adjustment for someone's sort of internal dialogue to yeah just adjust to new situations and be comfortable enough to not worry about performance and and that sort of thing so that is typically why people might not try to do group scenes or or threesomes because there's too many different variables um i've just realized that i am so like one-on-one -on -one and yeah um i love making out and kissing and touching and exploring and cuddling is like fucking that gets me harder than anything mm. like touch is yeah you know, touch and smell are like my two things um i i would definitely call myself 
a true verse bottom because, or actually I'll coin what Scott said um, to me about a year and a half ago. He's like, um, I was like, yeah, I'm first. And he's like, hmm, I feel of you, I feel like you're just like a pinch hitter top. <laughs> and if anybody knows what base, like the term in baseball, it's like, we're going to throw you into a, like a role that you're not, that you know just fine and like you're comfortable <laughs> doing, but only if you have to. <laughs> I like that. And I totally took that as a read. I was like, you're <laughs> such a cunt. Like, <laughs> so rude. And then I was like, God, he's right. Damn it, he's right. <laughs> and I've just been so comfortable with that ever since. Um, it's a good good position. Absolutely. I think I'm the opposite. Mm. I think I lean more towards top, but I can uh, bottom in a pinch. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to sort of talk about, and you mentioned too, is how the first time for a lot of gay men is dependent upon which generation they're from and what they do or don't do sexually. Um, Scott and I are very similar ages, so I think both of us came of age at the height of the AIDS epidemic, and um, he talked about it taking a while for him to come around to doing anal. And I, I think I had the same experience in college. Um, I went to college from 91 to 95, which was right after the peak of, of the AIDS crisis. So I, I'll admit, like, I don't really think that I tried anal in any meaningful way until post-undergrad, when I started to try to do it more often. Also, I, like, had a few relationships that were more long-term, and I can... I could get comfortable with somebody and trust them. So yeah, for, for me, like in the early stages, just hooking up was very safe. Mm -hmm. Um, but you didn't have that experience, right? Mm -mm. Yeah. No, I mean, um, I knew what HIV was and AIDS. I knew what it was, um, before having sex. Yeah, yeah. My first time was bareback and, um, shortly after, like three months after, I fucked a guy, and he was positive. He was undetectable. But he didn't tell me till after. Yeah. And that was... He, I mean, holy shit. Like, I didn't eat, sleep. Mm. I didn't do anything for, like, three months. You you topped him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't dive into, like, researching it, because I was so scared. And you weren't instructed in it at school? There was. We had sex ed, um, but it was for gay sex. I mean, you're, you're, there's no education for gay sex. So there was talk of HIV and AIDS, but there wasn't any uh, information as to what was... There was never talk about AIDS. No, there was only talk about HIV. Oh, okay. But but they informed you about what the risks were and what how you could protect yourself? Yes. But only in terms of straight sex. Right. Oh god. That's so preposterous. Yeah, and I mean, if unless you're going to give like real life example and something to for people to relate to, then especially kids that are growing up, like nobody's going to listen to you. I mean, you also need whoever is doing the educating to be informed and to not have a lot of ick factor around mm -hmm. the gay sex and a lot of educators are scared of it. They Absolutely. don't they don't want to talk about it because they think they might get in trouble. I mean that's basically one reason why I'm doing this whole series is because I was not very informed either. Yeah. And I wished that I was and I wished I could have just had conversations with people about what they did or didn't do. I mean, I was more informed. I I, I remember learning about AIDS and HIV in 6th grade. 
looking back, I'm kind of amazed that I had that conversation because I was in small town Kansas. Mm -hmm. But at least we did know what AIDS was and what what its effect was having on on people. One thing that jumped out at me with Scott's interview was how his father gave him the talk early on, mm -hmm. and and he mentioned his father not really having a lot of shame or embarrassment about the conversation. And I bet that really made a deep impact on Scott's life and his ability to negotiate or have a conversation around sex with potential partners. I mean, he experimented a lot with both men and women in his, his formative stages. And maybe that early intervention on his father's part really helped him just be more comfortable with the conversation. Yeah. My, my own father handed me a pamphlet you know which looking oh. back i understand now as an adult how hard that was for him but i really do wish that we could have had more real conversations about yeah. the reality of sex um and that just was not in the cards for me i stumbled through like most of us do but i just feel like i wish more people's parents or or mentors early on in their life were less inhibited with talking about sex, gay or straight, you know, and that there was were more real conversations. I just, I think that parents are nervous about it and they put it off and then they think that maybe their kids already know and they don't have to do it. It's just, I mean, that's just a recipe for fucking disaster. That's not being a parent. That's, that's being passive aggressive and that's negligent. It's negligent. And it really is. And it's what is so fucking, you know, crazy about sex. Like, well, people, especially Americans are pretty hung up about it. Yeah. Um, the subject is one that's complex or there's the perception of it being too overwhelming for them to even have an in on the mm -hmm. conversation with their kids. And usually it's, it's, it's a reaction to something that their kid does. Right. And then it ends up being kind of triage, like emotional emergency conversation instead of one that comes naturally. And that's what, what really stepped out for me with, with Scott's, dad's version is that it sounds like he was very proactive i mean imagine what what our world would be like if if all the young queer people were given information from an appropriate age when they started to think about sex and they actually had information about what to do yeah you know and how Absolutely. to do it it's like it would be it'd be amazing be a whole generation of of gay people who who didn't start out their sexual lives in a place of trauma yeah so. I mean, fuck. I mean, it's really something to be said about the fact that I didn't know that there was other apparatuses like a shower shot or a douche <laughs> other than Fleet until I moved here. Right. That was two and a half years ago. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Fleet enemas are in a pinch, but you should never use one. Yeah. It, it just comes down to like the little things that really speak to the bigger picture yeah. of our sexual lives and um it's just education 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 <laughs> yeah well cool thanks for listening to this with me and and i apologize how fucking hot it is inside this uh, walk-in closet right now it's okay i sweat regardless <laughs> be 40 degrees and i'll still sweat <laughs> okay well that's it for this episode thanks for joining us and thank you gabe for being the co-host thanks it was fun Thanks for listening to Fruit Bowl. If you like the podcast, 
tell your friends, and take a moment to rate and review it on your podcast app. That really helps us spread the word. If you want to learn more about Fruit Bowl, visit fruitbowlpodcast.com, where you can find links to current episodes, as well as information about our interview process and links to our social media, including our new Patreon page. Patrons who pay a monthly subscription fee can access behind-the-scenes updates, participate in live chats, and access exclusive video clips. Once again, that's fruitbowlpodcast.com. Fruit Bowl is proud to promote $3 Bill Cinema. $3 Bill Cinema strengthens, connects, and reflects diverse Seattle communities through queer film and media. $3 Bill provides access to films by, for, and about lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer people and their families, as well as a forum for LGBTQ2 filmmakers to share and discuss their work with audiences. They curate theme screenings throughout the year and produce programs in partnership with other arts, cultural, and service delivery organizations in the greater Seattle area. The Seattle Queer Film Festival, sponsored by $3 Bill, will take place October 10th through 20th. My short Porn Yesterday, which inspired the Fruit Bowl podcast, will be part of this year's festival. Passes are currently on sale. Visit $3BillCinema.org for more information. This has been a Fruit Bowl production. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening.